So, there you have it. Okay, it's a longer Bible reading than we usually have, but we've had all of creation. Uh, God saw all that he, was, uh, that he had made, and it was very good. Eons of time, and God's great act of creation condensed into just uh, 31 Bible verses. Now, I somehow doubt that many of us here this morning will want to spend much time trying to persuade ourselves that the six days of creation we've heard about are six periods of 24 hours as we know them. <clears throat> this is poetic language, revealing the deepest truth of creation in a way that us ordinary people can easily understand. I know that our young people are likely to come across the widespread prejudice that Christians believe the unbelievable, and I'd want to encourage them to discuss and explore the idea that creation is more than just a cosmic accident. But for this morning, let's simply accept the deep truth that the biblical record reveals in Genesis, the record of creation. And we must surely start by simply celebrating the fact that we have a good God who made a good world and handed us the responsibility of looking after it. Look how many times the Genesis story we just heard tells us that God thinks the world he created is good. In verse 4, God saw the light and it was good. Uh, God created the planet Earth and in verse 9 we're told God saw that it was good. Then with the creation of vegetation, God saw that it was good. And later on, with the rhythm of day and night established, God saw that it was good. And later, when fish and birds have been made, God saw that it was good. With the animal kingdom having emerged, God saw that it was good. And then God creates people and gives them the responsibility of looking after his creation. And this time, God doesn't just see that his creation of mankind is good. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, all of it, working together. If we say we love God, our love for him must be reflected in fulfilling the role he gave to humanity. In verse 27, we saw that God created women and men in his own image. If we are like God and we love the world we live in, we will want to look after it because it is good. Uh, if you go into chapter 2 of Genesis, uh, you will see that our role, the purpose of our role, becomes even clearer because we read that God gave us the job of taking care of creation. Caring for God's creation was the very first job that we were given to do. It's our most fundamental calling. Scripture is clear. Creation belongs to God. The psalmist David, for every wild animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, 
I know all the birds of the air and all that moves in the field is mine. The Apostle Paul reflects this much later. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. All things are being created through him and for him. So as God's sons and daughters, the created world is God's gift to us. We are its crowning creation and the dominating species and its care is a responsibility that God has given to us. In one of his last sermons, Billy Graham, who made the point with complete clarity, as was his way, uh, he said, we are only stewards or trustees of God's creation and we aren't to abuse or neglect it. The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. When we fail to see the world as God's creation, we'll end up abusing it. Selfishness and greed take over and we end up not caring about the environment or the problems we're creating for future generations. Well, in a few minutes, we'll consider what we can all do to look after the world that God has given us to protect. But uh, uh, let's now sing again. Let all things their creator bless and worship him in humbleness. Uh, please do uh, sit down. Well, rather than have me talk at you this morning, now a chance, I think, for us all to share ideas on what we are actually doing uh, or can do to care for creation. Uh, climate change and care for the world uh, that we live in is something our individual behaviour can and will influence. Maybe not in a big way, but certainly in a significant way. And it is our God-given responsibility to do uh, what we can. This morning can change things. So let's share ideas and then it's going to be down to each of us to see how we can rise to the challenges of caring the world that uh, caring for the world that God has given us to uh, look after. So let's form groups of four, five, six and share ideas. Uh, before you get started, perhaps you can choose one of your number to report back afterwards. Um, I'd like to allow a fairly decent period of time for this. Uh, let's say uh, 10 minutes and uh, pencils and papers uh, sheets of paper available for uh, reporters if they want them they're up here at the uh, at the front so let's break up into uh, small groups now and we'll report back in about 10 minutes time so two minutes to go and then feedback time Thank you all very much. Thank you. Uh, time now for feedback.
feedback time now. And uh, during our feedback, I'd like everyone to be thinking about what one way, what one way can I change in the way I lead my life to care for the world that we live in? Now, um, if you think of half a dozen things, that's absolutely fine. But let's each go away with just one thing that we're going to, uh, a minimum of one thing that we're going to change about the way we lead our lives this morning. Um, so uh, let's uh, start. Uh, Alan, could I ask you for your group summary? And Lynn is going to take some of the key points and note them on the process. Right, I started with recycling, that's in the most obvious one, which we pretty well do here anywhere in this area. And then plastic bags back to Tesco's, apparently some areas can go back to the supermarkets. Um, managing energy. Sorry, am I going too fast? All right. Saving water. And plant trees. Not that we would plant the trees, although it would be nice. Embracing love and positive relationships with others. It doesn't sound like a, a climate thing, but it's all part of relationships. Isn't it? Was it love um, what? Embracing love and positive relationships. Use of chemicals. Walking, cycling, and only use cars for essential journeys. And then as part of that, use public transport. Thanks very much. A, a terrific uh, list there. I, I expect some of the things uh, will appear more than once. So, Lynn, you don't have to write them no, up more, more than uh, once. That, that's, uh, that's right. But uh, thank you very much. I mean, for me, the challenge out of that is um, I am able to persuade myself that pretty much every journey I make in my car is an essential journey. And uh, I, I wonder whether it is or not. Rowan, uh, would you kindly report back for us? Um, we said a waste, f um, reduce a waste food, um, packaging goods, we reduce that as well. Plastic packaging, um, considered hurting animals, um, obviously. Um, water butts to collect water. Re recycle and reuse for other purposes. Um, use natu nat natural products, eco-friendly. Composting, litter picking, turning off appliances when you're not at home. Support local as much as possible, e.g. farm shops, and export less. Walk more and reduce car travel as much as possible. And responsibly sourced food and clothing, um, recycled stuff at two charity shops, and, and support charity shops. Terrific, Rome. thanks very much, and thank you all for such a terrific list of ideas. That's wonderful. Now, um, are you two groups or are you one? You're one. And who's our reporter? Tom. 
Um, no mo me. What's that? Sorry? No mo me. No. Where you don't mo me. Lord you me. Oh, don't mo the Less fossil fuels, so you can replace them with solar power, nuclear, wind, or geothermal power. Insulate your homes, use blankets, and turn the heating down or off. Use electric cars or hybrid. Um, eat less meat. There's an environmental impact of meat production. Um, grow your own veg. Um, reduce flights. Repair rather than um, replace mobile phones. And a bit of a weird one, which I remember. Um, mealworms, they have a weird enzyme in their body that can actually break down plastic. Um, mealworms? Yes. Mealworms. mealworms. <laughs> <laughs> that beats out maggots by a long, long... <laughs> that, that's terrific, especially the idea of feeding all plastic bags to mealworms. Thanks so much, Tom. Right. And uh, who, who's the reporter uh, from this group? Is it? Are, are you going to fight over it? Um, we said awareness, so spreading the message, which I don't think has been mentioned. So we've got a few things also that are on the list. Basically taking responsibility for your own doing so, you know, consideration when you're actually like going to the shops and thinking about perhaps the products that you're buying. Um, I was saying that, yeah, okay. um, particularly like the plastic bottle thing because you can get 100% recycled plastic bottles but try and avoid them anyway, obviously, by using containers and actually just perhaps just getting filtered water from home and reusing plastic, a uh, plastic bottle. Um, things like we're talking about when you have coffee and that when you have like those machines that have pods it's quite difficult although they are like aluminium or whatever um, preferably it's better just to simply buy you know um, coffee and, so and just get a, yeah, pods yeah kind of there. and the whole tea bag thing that some tea bags got plastic in and you know you could um, just buy tea you know yeah. <laughs> it's kind of going back to where we were things like milk bottles as well that sort of thing um, what you buy it in um, standby switches I think that's been mentioned that sort of thing make sure they're turned on um, one that I don't think has been mentioned because I think we've sort of touched on most things um, was actually 
cremation, so there's actual environmental alternatives for that sort of thing, like a burial where you can so have... Yeah, yeah, the way you'd like to put it. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, I think we were looking at very similar things on there, so... Thank, thanks all very much. Uh, can uh, standby switches? Can you uh, <laughs> stand? Yeah, but standby switches. Can you explain what that's about? Yes, it, it has been mentioned, but I'm not sure what it is. There is actually some. Um, I need to get all the information on it, so I'm not prepared. But um, you can get um, something that switches all the switches in your house. Um, so you've just got one switch to switch off, so you haven't got all the switches. Because even a standby switch apparently uses up quite a lot of energy. Ah, right, I get it. Yeah, a way of switching everything off in one hit. Which, uh, yes. Oh, it should work. Oh, I've found the plug for it now, so I'm actually working. <laughs> um, our team, uh, Martin had recently planted 13 trees. So yeah. Um, COVID made us think about a lot about a lot of different things because it, it was a, quite a change for us. So, uh, for one, one of the things that was mentioned was not flying, um, causing people to think, well, perhaps do we really need to fly now as much or whatever? So, it, causing us to sort of challenge what we were doing before. Uh, walks to appreciate the countryside, I think that got a mention earlier. Um, so lockdown opportunities gave us more chance to do that because there was little, little fewer other things that we could do. Um, energy, uh, energy costs makes us think more about it for reasons of cost, but also the best side benefit is the environment uh, 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 benefits because we're using less because we have to use less. Um, and standby technology, yeah, that came up with us as well. The unseen power use, uh, we need to find ways of reducing that. Um, more conversations with people uh, because uh, a lot of the things about cost now um, are common to many people and so it's a, a basis for discussion so that helps um, promote thinking about how to save and reduce um, stuff we throw away manufacturers obsolescence um, expensive parts and labour, something needs to change there so that we can carry on using stuff rather than just throwing it away. Um, closed recycling schemes has already been mentioned. Um, things like meat packaging, um, go to a butcher's, you don't get it all vacuum wrapped, etc. So um, there are ways in which you can minimise uh, packaging waste. And the last thing I put down on here was uh, heating the church. Um, you know, CO2 been thinking about what's the next way of doing that in, in a better way. Um, so the problem's here as well, um, how, how to use less energy um, to, to achieve what we need to. Terrific. That last point uh, Lynn has just added, and it's something we, uh, we do need to talk about. Thank you all so much for your uh, thoughts. And, I, you know, it's an important part of our development of, as Christians to uh, share our ideas and understanding about ways we should uh, live life. Uh, of course, we do it in Bible studies and uh, as well as sharing with e each other. Uh, for me, uh, 
one of the particular joys of um, uh, development as Christian is to be able to tap into the experience of Christians from the past, from past generations. And in thinking about the natural world, I love the way the Victorian Jesuit priest and poet Gerard Manley Hopkins saw nature. He said, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. And uh, uh, writing it in the time of the Industrial Revolution, he talked about the world being seared with flame and bearing man's smudge. But he does add this hope to encourage us all. For all this, he says, nature is never spent. There lives a dearest freshness deep down things because the Holy Spirit over the bent world broods. Finally, I'd like to share with you the wonderful insight from a woman from the 13th century. She's known as Julian of Norwich, not a bloke though, a woman. She lived a solitary life of worship and contemplation and we're really fortunate still to have her writings. It, it is in fact contained in the earliest surviving book written by a woman in the English language. And uh, her descriptions of the visions she received are known as the revelations of divine love. And here, uh, let me read you how she describes one of her visions. And it's almost like the description we heard in the 1960s by the first astronauts of our planet seen from space. Uh, it, its language is old-fashioned, but then you'd expect it to be. The vision, though, is crystal clear. And she says, God showed me a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut lying in the palm of my hand, as it seemed. And it was as round as any ball. I looked upon it with the eye of my understanding, and I thought, what may this be? And I was answered thus, it is all that is made. I marvelled how it might last, for I thought it might suddenly have fallen to nothing for littleness. And I was answered in my understanding, it lasts and ever shall, for God loves it. And so have all things their beginning by the love of God. In this little thing, I saw three properties. The first is that God made it. The second, that God loves it. And the third, that God keeps it. For we are so preciously loved by God that we cannot even comprehend it. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. God loved us before he made us, and his love has never diminished and never shall. The fullness of joy is to behold God in everything. Let's now close our time together this morning with a joyful song of praise. And do stand to sing it if you would like.